We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Hope everybody's having an awesome day. It is Thursday, May 11th, 2023, and we're coming at you live with another edition of the Ducks Dish podcast on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus and on Twitter at M Taurus Sports. Got a jam-packed episode for you guys today. Plenty of recruiting talk. You know how we get down over here. And I'm joined by my guy, Spencer McLaughlin, host of Locked on Ducks, Locked on Pac-12, and a frequent guest on the show. How we doing, man? We are doing well. Ready to rock and roll as always, my man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the title of today's show, kind of a bold claim, but I'm going to break down all the reasons why Oregon's 2024 recruiting class will be the best in program history Dan Lanning has picked up right where Mario Cristobal left off on the recruiting trail. Uh, the Ducks have the number seven class in the country, according to the 247 sports rankings. And uh, just for a little bit of context, I kind of want to talk about where the record lies right now in terms of Oregon's best ever class, uh, and then talk about kind of the direction that it's heading, right? So the 2021 class is the... Um, the 2021 class is the current best in program history, number seven overall rank on the 247 sports rankings, and then number six on the composite rankings. So uh, kind of splitting hairs a little bit, but six or seven is basically where we're at, you know, where the bar is, is being set. And then the other thing to note is that most of the class isn't here anymore. A lot of those guys have transferred out, um, you know, whether it's personal reasons or just didn't pan out, whatever it is. Um, but Right now, this class with, with the 2021 class, it was a little hard to evaluate. Sorry, I got I got the gardeners outside. I swear they came a couple days ago, but we're gonna try to keep pushing. Um, sorry about that, everybody. Hopefully they're not here too long. My windows are paper thin, which stinks. Um, but sorry, back to the class. So the 2021 class was kind of hard to evaluate, Spencer, because you had COVID going on. And uh, it was a little bit hard to get a true read on guys. But what do you make of the mark that Mario Cristobal set during his uh, time in Eugene? Well, I think he kind of raised the standard in terms of how we view Oregon as as a recruiting school. Because, you know, when, when Chip was here, make no mistake about it, like Chip is not someone who loves to recruit and is not all in on it. It's why he went to the NFL, because he can just coach football there, doesn't have to deal with with recruiting but if you go back and look at those classes they were still you know top 15 top 20 pretty consistently but 
You know, Scott Frost, I think, had some comments that uh, certainly came back to, to bite him a bit once Mario and company got in there and started recruiting about how hard it was to get guys up to Eugene. And then Mario came in and just kind of, you know, broke through the glass ceiling in a sense and said, yeah, no, you can recruit anybody and everybody here. You can get a number one player in a, a high school recruiting class in Kayvon Thibodeau. You can bring in a top 10 class in the country and, and beat SEC schools in the recruiting rankings. And we know that, you know, recruiting is the lifeblood of your, your, your program, of course. And I think Dan Lanning understands that really, really well. And I, I think when Mario came in and started recruiting at that level, it, it, it kind of shifted the goalposts for us as fans with regards to, okay, what is possible? What can we expect from, from our head coaches? Because if you, you know, everyone now, whoever, you know, Oregon hires as their head coach in the next 30 years, it'll all come back to Mario, right? It'll all kind of be like, well, they're recruiting at this level and that's good, but it's not at, you know, the Mario level, right? Like we we've seen that there can be more, but Lanning might be the guy to set another standard at Oregon because the recruiting looks insanely good. Like, I don't know how it could be going better right now, except don't lose Dante Moore because your offensive coordinator leaves. Not a whole lot Dan Lanning can really do there, but you keep Kenny Dillingham around, you keep Dante Moore around. And last year's class probably goes even further inside the top 10. But then the fact that they were able to replace that with uh, another blue chip quarterback co prospect in Austin Novasad, who I think showed some solid promise in the spring game is a testament to you know what they're capable of and, and, and what we should expect to see going forward. Yeah, so you, you talked about how, you know, Mario is kind of the, the coach that you talk about when it comes to getting recruiting, going at a high level at Oregon and setting the standard. I think we might have talked about it a couple times, but I think you've got to dial it back even further to Willie Taggart uh, when he was there because he's the one who brought Mario. And, you know, he really had the Ducks pushing into Florida, had the class at, a, at another um, – he had the class at the number one ranking at one point, but, but to talk about Mario, you know, he really helped the ducks, you know, push into the deep South, really push hard in Texas. Texas was a pipeline state for Oregon and continues to be, but we're seeing that just going to a, a whole nother level. So for Oregon, they need to be a program that recruits at a national level. You just don't have the talent to get it done. Um, you know, in the state of, of Oregon and, and really even the West coast, if you're just restricting yourself to that, but we've seen the the coach, you know, the coaches staff really prioritize the West Coast. I, I saw Demetrius Martin and Junior Adams out at a couple of the showcases I was at yesterday, uh, St. John Bosco and Long Beach Milliken. So they're hitting all those, you know, heavy hitter schools. Um, and now I think as we shift into the 2024 class, they're already in the top 10 at number seven with 11 commits. You're seeing that national reach into Maryland, uh, into Texas, into Pennsylvania, but the reason that I think that this class, Spencer, is going to go down in, in program history as the best ever is because of the coaching staff that's been assembled, the heavy hitter names on the recruiting trail in particular, and then just also the way that it's being run. You know, from some of the sources that I talked to, they, you know, I've talked to, to former players that were, you know, in Eugene when Mario Cristobal was, was, uh, at the helm and then they're now seeing what it looks like around Dan Lanning and I'm hearing that the buy-in's different the the uh the synergy if that's the right word just the the way they're all working as a team no one's being viewed as superior um you know the the GAs are on that same level uh as you know assistants and as Dan so it's just it's all really coming together and then when you combine that with the on-field product and the way that the Ducks are 
I think still making themselves players in, in the NIL space and not in the way that a lot of people think it's not straight up pay for play. Um, I think that they have a really detailed approach as far as, you know, here's, if you come to Oregon, this is how we can help you build our brand. And, and that's what I've heard from some of the high school coaches that I've talked to out here is that it's, and again, I can't stress this enough. It's not straight up pay for play. I think a lot of people just think that's what it is when it comes to NIL, but it's so, so detailed. And I think that that is part of the reason they're going to really be able to ramp it up a notch. And then the guys that they're still in a really good position for and still competing for, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I kind of just wanted to to start to peel back the layers on my reasoning on why I think this class can be the best in program history. Yeah, and I don't think that there are going to be any NIL obstacles for Oregon, right? Whether on the effort or commitment front where places like Stanford or maybe Cal, not super all in Cal more so than Stanford, but like there are some schools that, you know, don't want to play those sorts of games. And there are other schools that can't. It was a fascinating interview. It's worth listening at least to a part of from Kyle Smith, Washington State basketball coach. And he was talking very candidly, which is what we all search for, right? We all hear plenty of coach speak and we're looking for those honest moments. This was, I, I thought, a very candid interview from Kyle Smith where he was, you know, straight up saying, yeah, I mean, it's hard at Washington State because we can't keep up with this, that, and the other thing. We can't keep up with that school. We can't offer the money that this school can. And, you know, we can put stuff together and come up with some, but we, we cannot, you know, compete with the, the USC's or the Oregon's or the SEC's of, of the world. It's just not something that's, that's feasible. And it's an unfortunate reality for those schools and always has been at, at some level, they have to try to do more with less. And that's not an obstacle for, or for Oregon. I think it's in fact, quite a big benefit. If players are coming out of high school thinking, well, where can I go get the most NIL opportunities? Well, NIL is about, you know, branding and flash and, Who's the flashiest team oh, out sure. West? It's, you know, the, the the uniforms and Nike and Phil Knight and everything like that brand is really well established on the high school front for, for going after recruits. So I, I think that's a, a benefit. Not only is it not an obstacle, I think it is a, a net benefit for, for Oregon on the recruiting front. And then you look at the commitment that the staff is, is clearly making to recruiting. Like it, it's not, you know, a, a coincidence that, they, they've been really been recruiting well since they stepped on campus. I mean, they landed the number one offensive tackle in the 2022 cycle. They arrived in December. Landing wasn't even there. Landing wasn't on campus till after the national championship game, which was in, which was on January, which was in January, right? But they were able to, to just put the infrastructure in place. They have built a very recruiting heavy staff. And it doesn't mean there aren't good X's and O's guys there. There, there, there certainly are. But if you talked about, you know, what the biggest strength is right now of this staff, I think the answer would probably be recruiting. And that's a great place to start because if, you know, we saw with Mario Cristobal for several years, if you've got better players that can overcome schematical or philosophical shortcomings that, uh, that, that may, that may exist uh, amongst the staff, because is it the Jimmy's and the Joe's and the X's and those it's a little bit of both, but it's probably more about the Jimmy's and the Joe's because, Guess what? If you have Kayvon Thibodeau on that side, you don't have to be a whiz kid defensive coordinator for him to impact the game. You just got to line him up and say, good luck blocking this guy. And you think of, uh, you know, like the Cal game in 2021. It was closer than it should have been, right? Oregon, you know, I mean, Cal was one and four going into that game. And it was at Autzen Stadium. And Anthony Brown wasn't playing well. And the offense was struggling and whatnot. But 
Kayvon Thibodeau, after the uh, targeting situation against Stanford, comes back in the second half and he wrecks the entire game. He's just like single-handedly take him off, taking him off the field on third down. So I, I think that that's a, a great place for Oregon to be at. And obviously the best programs, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, uh, you know, Ohio State, they match the recruiting with the brilliant X's and O's as well. And I, and I th- do think Lanning shows real promise on that front. And I like the Will Stein hire too. But the, the, the recruiting potential here, it just seems like it's immense when you combine Oregon's resources with the guys who are on this staff. Tosh Lupo has been a great recruiter for his entire career. Like he was the Pac-12 recruiter of the year at Cal back in like 2010. Like he's he's been around the block and he know you know, he brought uh, I think it was Shaq Thompson and there was another NFL player, maybe Buda Baker to to Washington. He recruited Keenan Allen to Cal, I think it was like Najee Harris to Alabama. Najee Harris to Alabama. Like he's a big time recruiter. And I think he's certainly, you know, one of one of the key pieces as to why Oregon recruits so well. But you know, Dan Lanning's made some great hires too, like Demetrius Martin, Carlos Lachlan, those two guys, stud recruiters. Just look at the guys they bring in via high school, uh, the high school ranks in the portal. Like they're they're so so good. And um, I, I think with where the class currently sits, it's still early in the cycle, right? We're May 2023. That 2024 cycle won't wrap up until you know February 2024. So we have a ways to go. But you're off to a great start. You don't even have any five stars committed yet, and you know they're going after them. And I expect them to land them for sure. No, yeah, a lot of good stuff there, Spencer. That I want to get into, and you know. You make a good point about we're only in May and, you know, the the last traditional signing day is in February. But if Oregon plays its cards right, and I know the way that the staff approaches the recruiting trail, they'll have most most of this class wrapped up by the time the summer ends. Um, and then you can kind of keep pushing for those guys that are going to draw it out. You know, you guys like your number one defensive lineman in the country, Williams Nawanery, uh, who's from Dan Lanning's home state of Missouri, or like your Dylan Stewart's from Washington, D.C., you know, those are guys that are top, top caliber that you're willing to wait around for. You're Mateo Uyunglele's, guys like that. Um, But I want to get into the NFL factor and then talk a little bit more about this coaching staff. So before the draft last year, I think I remember making an episode of the pod saying that the NFL draft is becoming one of Oregon's best recruiting tools. Um, You know, they haven't been on the same conversation as your Bama's, your Georgia's, Ohio State's of just multiple first-round picks every year, but you're still getting a first-round pick year after year, you know, Justin Herbert, Panay Sewell, Kayvon Thibodeau, now Christian Gonzalez is out there in the NFL. Um, So those are all factors that enter into a recruitment because that's a lot of the factor that a lot of what these guys want to see. They want to see a blueprint in place to take them to the next level. I want to go to a school that I know can get me to the NFL. So that's a huge factor. And they're continuing that first round presence, you know, not where they want it to be, but I think it's there. And then there's guys on this year's roster that can help, you know, continue that Bo Nix, Jordan Birch, maybe Justin Jacobs, who knows? Um, So there's, there's, there's that piece of it, but then let's talk about the personnel. Let's talk about the staff because I've been recovering recruiting for a while. So like, I know the histories that a lot of these guys have, you know, Tosh Lapoy is absolutely in this conversation. You know, I saw a lot of Oregon fans after the season ended saying, Oh, What's going on with Lapoy? You know, is he on the hot seat? And I'm like, can we just chill out here? It was the first season and the value that he brings to the staff as a recruiter is immense. You know, you're not landing guys like Mateo uh, if if he's not on the staff. Um, I think that that's a huge, huge piece to the puzzle. Um, You know, his West Coast ties, particularly in the state of California, I feel like his arrival at Oregon along with Demetrius Martin uh, is, is really 
two arrivals that couldn't have come at a better time. And then you have Dan Lanning, the head coach who who's won a national championship and you have all these Georgia guys going first round. That's not all due to him, but he had a hand in it. So we can talk about that. Uh, Tony Tuioti at, at Nebraska, you know, he's not necessarily a heavy hitter on the recruiting trail as far as I understand, but some of these guys that they're going after Spencer, if they can land them in 2024, uh, you know, I, I mentioned a couple of them, you know, Aiden Breland's another one in a modern day that I think they're staying in the mix for. He's like top five at his position. Rashad Wadud has been a tremendous asset um, since coming over from Long Beach Poly uh, out here in Southern California, you know, helping the Ducks land guys like Roger Pleasant. Um, so I think the the staff just plays a huge role in it. And then Alik Terry, one of the newer names, he's got Florida ties and the Ducks are staying involved there with, with uh, guys like offensive lineman Jason Zandamella. Um, so I think that all of that plays into it. And I definitely want to get into kind of some of the Intel pieces and, you know, some of what I'm hearing, but I feel like we're doing a good job of just painting the picture about why they're going to be able to really take this thing to the next level. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I just got, I got a little fired up. I feel like I had <laughs> no, I lo- no, I love the energy, man. When somebody gets on a roll, you just, you, you, you let them vibe again. Then I got to come in and give you a break so you can, uh, take a nice sip of water there i love the little self pat on the back like yeah i think we're doing a good job i think we're i think we're, i think we're doing all right but you know the loophole question is interesting because his, his recruiting chops are unquestionable they are so so very high but the balance of the schematical prowess and, and, and the recruiting capabilities it can be a tough call for a head coach to make. I, I don't think Tosh Lupoi is on the hot seat, but I don't think he's near do I. I don't think he's super glued to his seat either. Like you need to see defensive improvement. But if, if let's say, you know, the worst comes to pass and the defense has the same struggles as last year, they can't get pressure, they're bad on third down, they're allowing too many passing yards and whatnot. If those struggles happen again, then Lanning has to make a calculation. How much do you value? Lupoi's ability as a recruiter, which is really, really high, versus how much do you want to have a guy in there who you feel might, you know, give you a, a better chance to get off the field on third down, for instance, on Saturdays in the fall. But then how much does that factor in with with the personnel? It's why, you know, going into this year, I, I, I've said I think there's, you know, pressure on Lupoi to improve, but I don't think there's pressure on him necessarily to dominate as Oregon's defensive coordinator and, and play caller in that sense, because you do need an off season to, to get a full amount of personnel in there. But now this is a completely different defense. You've got new safeties. You've got a lot of the same corners, but a newcomer in Kyrie Jackson as well. You have newcomers on the, along the defensive line. And if you're Dan Lanning as a defensive coach, you want to build the best defense possible. Of course he does. Like he wants to be, you know, more than competent on both sides of the ball, but you know, he's going to take a little bit of extra pride on on the defensive side of things because that's where he comes from and if if there's no improvement no growth i think it's fair to ask the question but then the balance does have to be considered could you find you know they bring in chris hampton to be the co-defensive coordinator could you find (coughs) felt that one coming on um could you find a, another defensive coordinator or would you, you know, promote Hampton or whatever would have you in, in this again, hypothetical, because this is, you know, not currently the situation that Oregon finds themselves in. I don't think, could you find someone that gives you a, a schematical bump enough to offset the potential recruiting decline that you could have if you did move on from him? And, and that's a calculation that only landing 
has to make because he's the head coach. It's his decision whether or not he views his coordinators as fulfilling their duties to the best of their abilities and giving Oregon the best chance to win on on, on Saturday. So I, I think you need to see improvement. I think you need to see growth. But I think the Hampton hire is really interesting because I think he's going to be pretty involved on, on the defensive side of the ball because he was a group of five defensive coordinator on a team that just won the Cotton Bowl over USC at Tulane, put Tulane on the map in a way they never had been before in the football sense. I mean, that was the best season in program history, at least in the modern era that I'm aware of, right? That sort of momentum can usually land you a defensive coordinator job. So I like I wonder, and look, I'm I'm just speculating here. I don't have the inside track, and I don't think the coaches would ever, you know, share this sort of information uh because it's you know not in their job description that, that they need to, of course, and it would just kind of send people into a frenzy. But I wonder if Lupoy is going to be calling defensive plays again, or if Hampton was brought in to do that, and you want Lupoy there because you, you agree with him on certain, you know, uh, philosophical elements of the defense, but also he's such a tremendous recruiter because I, I cannot imagine that the only offer that Hampton had after that season at Tulane in which their defense was quite good. I can't imagine the only, the only option he had was a power five co-defensive coordinator position. So I, that, that, that's my, that's my theory as, as to, you know, why that hire was made and kind of how the dynamics are are working in there. And it could end up being the best of both worlds. You know, if you get the most out of Chris Hampton as as a defensive coach, and then you still have Tosh Lupoy in there as probably the best defensive recruiter uh, after landing, but as a non-head coach, it might be him, then that could be the best situation for the Ducks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to touch on Mikey G's comment here. Every position coach are high-level recruiters with their own pipelines. Definitely a new theme at UO and clearly a hallmark of the Lanning era. We've already talked about a couple of the assistant coaches, but I think Carlos Lachlan is absolutely somebody who deserves some praise. Um, you know, He's originally from Alabama, 
And uh, the Ducks are involved in Alabama with five-star edge rusher Jordan Ross, uh, high-level offensive tackle Jacon McCroy uh, out of uh, Pinson, Alabama, hometown of Bo Nix and Tez Johnson. So there, he has a big role in Oregon's push east, particularly into the southeast. Tosh Lapoy was in D.C., um, where the Ducks got Ifi Obadegwu. Uh, he's probably, sorry from Baltimore. I meant to say Tosh Lapoy was in the DMV, um, where the Ducks got Ifi Obadegwu and are pursuing Michael Van Buren, an Under Armour All-American quarterback. And I think today he's in Atlanta. So these coaches are just moving nonstop. They're they're doing all the right things in terms of just the effort, and they wake up every morning knowing that if we want to take this program to where it can get to and where we want it to be, where the fans want it to be, you can't stop. You can't sleep. And, I mean, the the effort from the coaching staff has been phenomenal. Junior Adams has been a huge recruiter, getting uh, five-star wide receiver Jurion Dickey in the 23 class, already has um, Jordan Anderson committed, as well as Tysier Denmark. He was in Long Beach in my neck of the woods yesterday to see Ryan Pelham, who is another high, high four-star that I think the Ducks have a great shot with. Um, so, yeah, I think I think this is a big part of it. You know, there, there's there's uh, pipelines and there's areas of the country where they specialize and obviously positions that they specialize, and you don't see coaches being restricted to their position. You know, just because you don't coach that guy that doesn't mean that he wouldn't appreciate seeing you and that his vis- that those visits don't carry a lot of weight. Yeah, and and I think we touched on that a bit earlier with you know the past guys that Lupoy has recruited, right? Defensive coordinator always has been, but he's recruited Najee Harris, recruited I believe Keenan Allen. So, you know, it, it's interesting how that stuff plays out. Typically you are going to have position coaches going after their specific positions for for high school recruits. And we've seen a lot of success with that, right? And it applies to the portal as well. But there is allowance for some crossover. And I I have no reason to think that it's anything but a positive for the Ducks because look at all the recruiting results that that we've been seeing and and they all look positive. So I I, I think that that's, you know, a, a good thing for Oregon that they are, you know, just trying to find the best players no matter who is recruiting them, no matter who is uh, is talking to them the most, that's what their priority is, and it's clearly what they're capable of. I got another comment here. So I, I want to use this comment to kind of get into a little bit more of the intel that I'm hearing and more of the analysis on the recruiting trail. Truth Sleuth says, would like to hear your thoughts on whether Oregon can pull in the five stars like the Blue Bloods. Uh, short answer, yes, Absolutely. Uh, they don't have any five stars in the 2024 class just yet, but they are in the running and uh, really in a good spot with a number of them, right? Um, you're looking at Elijah Rushing out of uh, South Point Catholic in Tucson, Arizona. You're looking at Dylan Stewart, who's out of D.C. Uh, you're looking at Brandon Baker, who's a five-star offensive tackle out of modern day, number one offensive tackle in the country. He's an Oregon legacy. Um, I'm trying to think of some more that come to mind, but those are the main names that come to mind from in terms of five stars, um, which, you know, you can't get too fixated on five star Spencer, but I have some names here that I think I feel really good about Oregon's chances, or I, I know that Oregon is at least heavily involved in. I'm not predicting these guys to Oregon, but basically the ducks are in the thick of it. And I think that they're battling and they're in a good spot. So I'm going to go through this list of names. Um, maybe some of them will pop out to you. Uh, I got Elijah rushing, Michael Van Buren, Nate Frazier, uh, out of modern day running back, Dakota Fields, Ryan Pelham, Jeremiah McClellan, Dylan Gresham, Dylan Williams, Justin Williams. There's another five-star out of the state of Texas. 
um, top top three linebacker nationally. Uh, Kamar Matuti, linebacker. Jordan Ross, Brandon Baker, Jacon McRoy, offensive tackle Bennett Warren out of Texas. Uh, Devin Brooks is an in-state uh, offensive lineman out of um, Clackamas. Jason Zandamella. And then here's another name that I'm telling you guys that you should watch out for. Peyton Woodyard. Five-star safety committed to Georgia out of St. John Bosco. He's going to be getting on the road for some officials next month uh, out to Alabama. I remember that name. I remember that name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I talked to him yesterday, and um, I I wouldn't be surprised. Um, You know, he didn't didn't guarantee it, but uh, I would not be surprised if Oregon ends up getting an official visit there. So uh, Oregon's playing the long game. He said he's 100% committed to Georgia. You know, he doesn't want to, you know, play any games necessarily, but, you know, owes it to himself to take these trips. And um, I think that the Ducks are staying involved there. Uh, and Rashad Wadu is a huge factor. So I went through all those names. You don't have to talk about all of them. But because you're in the running for some of those guys, and if you follow recruiting, you guys know how elite they are. That's part of the reason that I think they can go and take this class to the next level because I think a run is coming, and it's coming very soon. Yeah, and I, I think with regards to this specific question, can they pull in five stars like the Blue Bloods? I assume he's talking about – you know, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Texas, Ohio State, those schools that recruit at that sort of level. I think the answer is yes, but I don't think the answer is yes right now. Because when you look at, you know, the the Alabama 2023 class, for instance, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up here real quick. They've got, you know, one of the best classes in the history of of recruiting. And they're pulling in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seven five-star players in in that class. That sort of recruiting potential doesn't happen overnight. And Oregon, I think, is striving to get to that sort of level. But I think we're in the range right now where in a really, really good class, Oregon can pull three to four five-star recruits. But if you build those up over the years and you get your name out there as, as the Ducks on the radar of those big-time players – and if you continue to win at a high level and be on a national scale with regards to your ability to win and your ability to recruit, you can build up to, you know, where where Alabama is. Right. I don't think they can ever you know surpass Alabama and have a number one class in the country. It's hard to see how that could happen right now. Alabama would have to fall and, you know, nothing lasts forever. But Nick Saban appears to be the exception to the rule here. But. Do I think that Oregon could one day sign a top five recruiting class where they have, you know, five five star players in it? Yeah. But do I think that could be 2024? Probably not. Do I think it could be 2025? Maybe. I mean, like it's it's it, it depends on how so many things go and it depends on so many factors. Is the potential there? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear the potential is there for for that to happen. But it's not something that that takes place quickly you know it's it's like anything else in in college football and college basketball you start at one level then you work your way up to the next one and that takes time then you work your way up to the next one that takes more time it's just it's just kind of the the nature of the beast of of this wonderful sport that we love but you you know can Oregon ever land seven five stars in a class yeah one day but is that this year or next year probably not but in, if you told me five years from now if Oregon keeps recruiting at this level they win at a high level get to the playoff make some runs yeah I could, I could see it happening with the with the commitment and recruiting potential that this staff clearly have yeah I think what it really comes down to is I think Dan's the guy I, I'm fully convinced that Dan Lanning's the guy to take this class into top five territory 
that's not an easy thing to do. Like you said, it doesn't happen overnight, but you put in a lot of work. I love the foundation that this staff has laid, the visitors that they brought out to campus. Um, there, there's a little bit more I wanted to get into, Spencer, but I wanted to be respectful of your time. So I, I might, yeah, I might I have you, you sign off and I'll keep going for just a little bit. Yeah, well, as um, everybody uh, probably knows by now, you can always hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55, Locked on Ducks and Pac-12 are Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Always good to talk to you, Max. We've been busy, busy worker bees this week, but that's just the way we like it. We have been. We absolutely have been. But you took the next question out of my mouth. You guys got to lock in with Spencer. Tap in with that guy. I'm on his show all the time. And, uh, you know, love, love to talk recruiting with him and talk duck football. So go show him his uh, show some love and appreciate you hopping on, man. Yep. Anytime. I'll see you, Max. See you, bro. All right. So we're continuing on. I think maybe about 10 more minutes or so. I didn't want to I didn't want to cut this show short. I wanted to give a little bit more of my um a little bit more of my analysis on why I think this is going to be the top class in program history. So I talked about some of the names that Oregon's been able to bring onto campus. And so far, I don't think Oregon's hosted anybody officially. So it's all unofficial, all on your own dime. And the strategy, this is where the strategy really comes into it. The timing plays a huge part. The connections play a huge part. We talked about the way this staff was assembled and how they have those pockets across the country and those hotbeds. We're seeing Will Stein, the new offensive coordinator for Oregon, just absolutely blitzing with a capital B, folks, blitzing the state of Texas. Uh, recently thought that he was out in San Antonio, which is another talent-rich area in the Lone Star State. But I think that the way this staff has uh, really worked things and you know, the way that I think maybe some of these commitments are going to be coming in very soon, I think that it could be I think that it could be very, very beneficial for, for Oregon in terms of just taking that next step on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, I talked about some of the guys that I feel good about. Uh, I feel good about Nate Frazier. I feel good about uh, Michael Van Buren. I just uh, wrote a prediction story predicting that Michael Van Buren is going to end up at Oregon. Um, so that's that's a really significant uh, position for Oregon to recruit here in the 2024 class and moving forward. But then you also look at those different difference makers, you know, the game changers, particularly at the line of scrimmage. Oregon's already become a destination for elite offensive linemen. Now it's working on becoming a destination for elite defensive linemen. And who's leading the charge in that? Dan Lanning, Posh LaPoy, Tony Tuioti, Tony Washington, you know, guys like that. I just really love the way that this staff has come together. And I don't even want it to necessarily be coming off like it's a homer take, you know, because I've been covering Oregon for about four years now. I really feel like I've been able to get a good, you know, logical sense of it and a good feel for how recruiting works uh, in today's college football. So I think that with the guys that they're in the running for, once some of these commitments start coming in, this class is going to catch fire and it's going to catch fire quick. I love where they're at already in the top 10. You're, you're averaging, you know, well, well around, uh, you know, four-star status for most of these guys. Uh, and then you're still taking a couple flyers on guys that are maybe a little bit more developmental, but you see a lot of potential in. Um, but I think this wide receiver class is going to be awesome. You got Jordan Anderson already in the fold, Tyser Denmark already in the fold. Um, you know, Jordan Anderson is one of the best wide receivers in California. And, you know, some people I talked to believe he is the best wide receiver in California. And, if you know California, you know there's not a shortage for talent, for skill talent in particular, out this way. Um, but then the defensive, uh, sorry, let's go back to the receivers for a second. You got Dylan Gresham as another guy that Oregon's strongly in the mix for out of San Jacinto High School. He took a trip up to Eugene uh, earlier this spring. 
Um, they're still pursuing Aaron Butler, but I feel like some of the momentum's kind of been lost there, and he's trending towards Colorado. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up at Colorado, but he's looking like a summer decision, so maybe the Ducks can are going to get him back out for an official visit and can try to you know take their swing again. Ryan Pelham is a phenomenal wide receiver. He was carving everybody up at that uh, Milliken showcase that I went to yesterday. So the, they're getting better across the board, and they're not settling at any position. You know, Chris Hampton, who Spencer was talking about earlier in the show, he comes over to Oregon, and he picks up a commitment almost right away, um, you know, with Tysheem Johnson. And then you also have Aaron Flowers, who's one of the best safeties in Texas. That's a recruiting win over USC. Uh, Aaron told me that USC is still staying involved, as is Oklahoma, I want to say it was. So that's not going to be an easy commitment for them to hang on to, but I know this staff is very, very capable of it. But I want to talk about just really how they're leveling up the defensive line because I feel like those are the game changers, and that's one of the areas that Oregon's kind of been coming up short in of late. So, you know, the, the, the offensive line has some guys that, you know, you have a leak carry there, you have Mike Cavanaugh, Cutter Leftwich. They've done a really good job so far just attacking that position. And I think you'll still see some big names come uh, to Oregon along the offensive line. But where the work really needs to be done is along the defensive line because after this season – you're losing a lot of guys. You're losing Brandon Dorless. You're probably losing Jordan Birch, uh, Popo Almavai. So they attacked that position very, very hard in 2023. But they're still going national to find these guys. They're finding those body types that you don't find out west. Maybe they're in a position where, you know, there, there's other programs that might have to settle for finding some of those body types out west that um, finding some of those more commonly found body types, I should say, out west, whereas Oregon they're realizing, oh, hey, we're Oregon. We can push into Alabama. We can push into the Southeast. We can push into Texas and get those different types of bodies. I'm talking your 6'4", 6'5", 300 plus. And if you're looking at Oregon's 2024 class right now and who's already in the mix, you're looking at Tioni Gray out of the state of Missouri, who the Ducks flipped from Eli, Eli Drinkwitz and the Tigers. And he's 6'6", 295. You're looking at Jackson Jones, who's smaller at 6'3", 215, but, you know, super athletic out of the state of Arizona. So I think that the position you really need to watch for and that I think is really going to take this class to the next level is defensive line because they're going after so many huge names. And maybe you're not going to get all those huge names, but they're taking some big swings. And I think that the staff is putting the work on the recruiting trail, hosting guys, going to see guys, building relationships to really take them to the next level. And then also add a defensive back in the secondary you know they're bringing a lot of speed uh recently i know zach neal wrote a piece over uh, on duck wire he does a great job um ducks wire uh covering uh you know the, the ducks over there and, and some recruiting coverage as well so you got speed coming with dalen austin speed coming with roderick pleasant um and uh, who else do you have that you could talk about that has a lot of speed you know jaleel florence was a, a speedster coming out of san diego lincoln um, and then you also have, you know, guys that you're going after, you know, Gatlin Bear out of the state of Idaho. Um, you know, he's a big time guy, uh, really, really fast, I think 10.18. Uh, and you have Dakota Fields, who's, uh, you know, a sub-11 guy out of uh, Unipro Sarah and Godina. So there's so many pieces of that speed element. Justin Williams, you know, Oregon's top linebacker target. Part of what makes him so special is because of the way he moves. And he moves the way he does because he was a former safety. So you see all of that athleticism and you know, fast twitch at a variety of positions coming into play. But I think what it really boils down to is the timing of it, 
uh, staff that Lanning has assembled, the track record that he has, the way he's viewed nationally by recruits, um, you know, also a lot of that buzz from Georgia that he was involved in. I think that was a part of it. And then just the way that the the assistants have really recruited at a high level and the, the way that they're tied in across the country. So I think that those are some of the reasons that I think Oregon's class in 2024 will be the best in program history. It's an exciting time for Oregon. I think, you know, some other notes to maybe get into. I talked to Dylan Williams. He's going to be taking an official visit to Oregon in June. Uh, Michigan State is a school that has really come on strong for Dylan Williams, the big-time linebacker at a Long Beach Poly and former USC commit. Also have schools like Michigan, uh, Miami, also in the mix. Texas is another one. Uh, Washington is recruiting in. UCLA has come on strong as well. That's another thing that I'm learning from going out on the road uh, and, and going to showcases. You know, I've gone to five showcases this week so far. I'm going to be going to my sixth this afternoon when I make it out to modern day. See the guys like Brandon Baker and Nate Frazier. Xavier uh, Brown is another big-time guy that we didn't even talk about. Oregon's in the top four for him, along with Bama, Ohio State, SC. So there's a lot of big-time names that the Ducks are going after. And even though we haven't maybe seen a massive, massive name like a five-star hop into the fold yet for Oregon, I don't think they're far off at all. Um, so I'm not making any predictions here on the show. I'm just trying to tell you guys, you know, that that run is coming for Oregon on the recruiting trail. Uh, Gary Bryant is supposed to announce his commitment on Saturday, and I'm loving where the Ducks stand there for the USC wide receiver transfer. I'll have more on DucksDigest.com on his upcoming commitment and just where things are at with his recruitment. So make sure that you guys tap in with me over there, reading my stuff on DucksDigest.com, all the latest interviews, recruiting buzz, recruiting intel, Duck Football Talk, it's all there for you. Uh, but I got to get out of here. Um, you know, really busy day, but I wanted to get a podcast up. So if you haven't already, hit that like button for me and subscribe to the YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus and hit that notification bell so you don't miss future videos, future live streams, all that good stuff. And tap in with me on Twitter at Sports. If you're a recruiting fan, Maybe it goes deeper than Oregon. I always try to cover the top Oregon guys, but I'm in a talent hotbed, so I love covering the top players in Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles area, and pushing my coverage beyond just Oregon. Um, so make sure you guys tap in with me over there. And then share the show. Share the Ducks Age podcast with your friends, with your family, and with other Duck fans. If you want recruiting, Oregon recruiting, I'm your guy, and I love doing this. I got a tremendous passion for it, so... Appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to talk some duck football with me, talk some crouton. Hope everybody has an awesome day. And until next time, thanks for watching and listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.